You're gonna have fun editing this together. I suggest you put this stuff about Rose Motel at the beginning, and then you just <laughs> chop it up any way you want. Be like a Pulp Fiction episode and shit. I think you should do it that way because I just did like a monologue, and I don't know what the fuck that was. Oh man, how you doing, dude? I'm doing good, man. I'm sorry about the delay. No, uh, you're good. You're good. What happened was I I, I was thinking hey, about. Hey, hey. No, no, I, it, it, it was a good thing. I I was thinking about my my baby cousin without knowing it because I I call her since she was born I call her Big Head, and now she's about to have a baby. She just got married, and I, and I just had her nickname in my head for some reason. So I call her and we just start chopping it, man. She's a lot younger than me, and so. Uh, we start chopping it, and she just gives me this good wisdom, man. And so then I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to give the dog a bath. So then I started giving the puppy a bath, and while I had soap and water and shit on my hands, you, you called me, and I was like, oh, shit, what time is it? it looked, and it was 12.03, so my bad, bro. No, dude. It's all good, baby. I, uh, you know what I've been doing? Huh? I, I just talked to, like... I think I just talked to three different people and I I talked them through the story I'm writing and each one like each one I told I got more of a sense of the characters and now like I'm in it like I'm I'm I know how to do it you're feeling it yeah I just I just started like I only have a couple pages but I got like I know exactly what needs to happen and I'm starting to, it's just coming out right now Good shit, man. Is it the one that you uh, you submit, or is it like a new piece? This is going to be a feature. It's um, I'm on like page three, but it is a sort of a genre holiday script. What are your what, what's your take on that holiday shit, man? Because do, like, do you keep it? Do you lean into the religious part of it, or? You mean cel- it, like celebrating, uh, celebrating shit? You know what I mean? Like when you write about it. So, th- th- I'm I'm I can't I, I'm hesitant to talk too much about this right now because it's just in this like very um, abstract in between state. But this this project is sort of this thing I a few years ago, but it wasn't like close to my heart. And then just recently, I was talking to some people, and I got an idea, and I was like, "Oh, I found I found a challenge." Because I like I like to I don't I don't follow rules well, so whenever Who there's does? a rule, uh, I I have this thing where like I want to figure out if I can follow the rule and violate the rule simultaneously. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at with writing. Sure. Or just anything. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Because I'm telling you, man. Like when it comes when it comes to me writing, like I don't. It the story pulls me. It's not like so. It, you, you know this. Like when you know how to throw a spiral, it's like all right. Now I'm gonna throw a sidearm. Now I'm gonna throw it behind my back. Now I'm gonna, you know because it's still a spiral. So as long as it's still a story, to me it's like what is this story? telling of itself and then that's how i go with it 
So it could be like a Pulp Fiction-esque type thing where it's in pieces and you have to figure it out, um, which makes you want to talk about it. Or it could be one of those things where it's like, uh, uh, just, it leaves you hanging, you know, and there is no happy ending kind of thing. And I hate happy endings. See, I have this thing where, I'm going to leave that one on the ground. I have this thing where, um, I guess... I went a long time without really writing scripts. Like I had, it was it was something I did habitually, and then I just went into styles of performance that that didn't involve scripts in the same way. Right. And, and uh, so it was it was only just under COVID that I really started writing again, and now it's, it's like I can't keep track of them. Like the, there's just scripts are piled everywhere there's paper all over the apartment and it's like cool alright cool so I'm trying to keep track and figure out what we can actually make but this this thing I'm working on now I, I'm not even trying to shoot it I just I have this vision and I, I'm trying to get it out hopefully get it all written Halloween. yeah gotcha well look we're gonna edit this whole part out so that's hilarious nobody <laughs> So nobody is gonna know that you're working on, it, unless you want me to keep it in, and then we'll just keep going. Oh, it's not a, it's not a secret. I'm just, I'm okay. holding back from like getting into like plot details and shit. Hmm. Bro, so this would be a good time to bring up the fact that you are like I, I don't want to say I don't want to. I'm not even gonna blow your head out, but you're you curse you're, on your podcast. Yeah, of course. You 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 are not the average person, man. Like, you don't look like the average person. You look like a person. You're human, yeah. But you don't look like you operate like what the average person <laughs> looks like they would operate like. If that makes sense. Like, you look at this dude. You're like, he's an artist, or he does something. He does. He fucking. He does something. How do you? What? When did you become a creative, B? When did you like? When did you start the creativity part, the artistic? When did that come out? <laughs> um, okay, I. So you know what, man? Um, my mother really cares a lot about literacy, uh, almost exclusively, as far as I could tell. Right. Um. So, I think I think it's language is the is the entrance point for me um language in terms of expressing with hopefully with some precision or intention and and um also the power of language in terms of uh the record of of knowledge um my mother valued fiction. She she read constantly. She read to me. She speaks many languages. She doesn't mm. really necessarily deal with people a lot. She deals with words and ideas, and like she wants to be left alone. And so wow. I think um, I guess novels were sort of an entrance point for me to um, to want to impact. Uh, the world of, of books in some way, you know? So I gotta ask, what was the first one that really opened your mind up? Novel? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say. Like, it was more like from the time I was like from from memory. My uh, every week we would go to the library, and it would be like, okay, you can only take ten books. And it's like, here we go. I'm gonna find ten books, and and from from pretty early, I was it was adult novels. So probably from the like third grade, you know, it's like, all right, I'm gonna grab yeah. 10 adult novels. Uh, <laughs> or it might be like some, a few, a few other things, some like weird fantasy stuff or some YA stuff. And then some like freaky, like dark grown up writing and shit. And then it's like, okay, you got 10. No, that's 11. You can't like, Oh, I have to choose. All right. Take, <laughs> take the 10 novels home. And I just like read, Every moment of the day, from the time I woke up, I would read. You know, I would read while I'm eating breakfast, and my mother would be like, "No reading at the like brush my teeth." And I'm reading. And my mother's like, "You brush your teeth too slow. Stop reading." And I like read my way down the stairs. She's like, "Hurry up! You late for school? Put the book away." And wow. I like, be in the car, and I'm reading. She's like, "You know, it's too dark in the tunnel. You can't read. In the tunnel, you'll hurt your eyes." And then like, you come out of the tunnel, and I'm reading the book. And I finish the book, and I'm like. Like, I'm going to leave this one in the car. She's like, you're going to lose it. Make sure you get that back to the library. And then I have, like, another book. And I'm in school. And all day in school, I'm reading and I'm hiding the book in the desk. And, like, later on, I would hide the book on my bag. I would just, like, have the book down. But, like, all the teachers knew I was reading. You know, I'm supposed to be reading a book for school. And everyone's reading together. And I'm, like, reading that book. And I'm reading another book underneath. And I'm, like, hiding it. And then my teachers would try to call me out. And they'd be like, uh... You know, are you reading? Here, well, no, not even that. They'll, they'll try to trick me. They'll be like, because you're not paying attention. And I'll answer the question, like, and then, you know, answer it in a way that they weren't intending that kind of derails the class a little bit. And then buys you like, some time. Well, no, it's like I have the answer, but like, here's my answer. And also, I have like a lot of thoughts on this. And actually, it reminds me of this other thing. And if you want to get into it, we will, you know, you won't be able to finish your class. I'm way ahead of, you know, the discussion right now. So why don't, don't you just fuck do with me? Deal with the other teachers. And yeah, the basically, it's fine. I'm reading. Listen, I'm just doing my thing. So like, you, you're your mom. Uh, it's it's my, like I'm I'm, I'm, of... I'm doing me. I'm learning. I'm having fun in this world. Don't fuck with me, because my mind is so advanced that not only did I pay attention to what you were saying, but I've already analyzed it set it aside and I'm doing this now so if you want to really if you really want to fuck with me you we can go there kind of thing I think at that age it wasn't so much don't fuck with me it was more like the teachers realized they should leave me alone because they either could could it like if I was actually engaging in a class what I what would usually happen is I would ask a lot of questions and mm. I would like question assumptions that they had spoken and then suddenly they're addressing me instead of like addressing you know the, the plot points are supposed to hit in the class and so it's just like let's just leave him alone he's clearly doing fine like he can answer the questions on the tests you know and then I mean honestly what happened a lot too is you know I would have they give me tests I read the question the way they phrase the question it actually is vague in certain ways and it implies multiple concepts and right. so I like break down the logic of the thing and I ask a lot of questions during the test well this is phrased this way do you mean this or this and they'd be annoying and be like just and just take the test and I take the test and then they mark me wrong and I'd be like actually because of your phrasing the grammar and logic suggests that this and actually I read another thing that you're not suggesting but it's also true that this is like and so 
would be like, oh, that was a 97. Okay, fine, it's a 100. You know, so some teachers loved it. They were like, wow, this guy's engaging. Some teachers left me alone. And some people, some of them hated it. They would just hate me. Now, what, what grade was this that all of this, that you began being like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was a problem. But oh, no, this it, is what, just, at what age time, were you engaged like, like this? From, you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, you know, just like, I just, I just read a lot and, uh, and challenged, you know, authority and had a lot of questions, you know, I mean? that's kind of like how it was. Were you raised like that in the home? Did your parents say, hey, uh, we want to hear your thoughts on this? Um, my mother, I think my mother valued like logic and argumentation over, you know, and like uh, comportment, being able to properly articulate and function in society and, uh, and like object intelligently or comply obediently. You know, mm. that was the value. Um, my stepdad, I think my stepdad is a lot of what influenced me towards really caring about film and thinking about cinema and like towards comedy in certain ways, you know. Yeah. Um, I do want to, I want to swing around and make sure we, we talk about our project though. Oh, no, for sure. We will, for sure. But I, you're such a fucking, you're, you're, so everybody, this would be a good time to welcome you to the Black Man's Heart. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Today we have a guest, uh, an esteemed guest. I've known his brother for, what has it been? Two years? A year? Two years. And uh, something like that. And uh, I can just say that he is uh, one of the most creative minds I've ever met. Um, he he's very intellectual, as you just heard. We, this we man is, you to some more folks. <laughs> and he he go. His name is. I, look, I don't even know how to introduce him. This is different. Know. This is different, man. I'm I'm never stuck. Let, like can I this, tell you? Bro. Can I tell you a story? Let me. Just, I think it's relevant to what you're saying. When I was a kid, people had trouble with my name, and so when I was growing up. These are every kid called me a different thing. I had a kid call me Dr. Benson. Some call me <laughs> Chewy. I got called Banaka, Bacardi, Chewbacca. Like I was called everything except my name from the time I started being in school. And so it's just that's just it continues. There's a lot of names. It's fine. It's all good. No, yeah, yes, that fucking he has so many suits. Someone call me Webs. They used to call so me. All I'm just gonna say, stuff. welcome to the show. Flint, they used to call me <laughs> Flint. Flint. Filmmaker, comedian, actor. Uh, this man is uh, he, a father, son. I mean, listen, Baraka Noel, I, aka I have no Future. Uh, what is it? Future Wells. Fucking. Um, what was the other one? <laughs> I don't remember. Too many names. It's annoying. It's annoying to everyone. I, what? And I would be like, say my name. And then she would say my Which one? name. And I was, I was like, no, she, you know, I was, I was expecting a different thing. But she was like, no, I know who you are. Like, oh, my bad. <laughs> I miss her. She was nice. She was a nice lady. Bro, it, uh, hopefully she's not like ending up in one of the films as a character or some shit. Awesome no, she's, M &M shit. she's good. She's perfect. Okay. She's perfect and beautiful. 
So where B, where did you when did you become like this? You you mentioned your stepdad introducing you to film, the, comedy, the and things like happened? that. What happened to you? Why? Yeah, like so a lot of times when kids, when youth are into comedy, they have a twisted kind of like dark nature about them. Was that how you kind of got into who were your comedians? Or like, you know, the gateways. You know what? I was thinking about this. Like, cause honestly, the answer to that question in some ways is always the same. It's always the same ones. Like if you really get down to it. But Fire. but based on when I was growing up and the exact time of, of my youth and shit, I coincided with uh, kind of middle school was the birth of Comedy Central, you know? And so mm-hmm. for me, what I actually found was almost Maria Bamford is one of the first, like Paula Poundstone early on, you know, I, was a, I encountered, but Maria yeah. Bamford really hit me early on when, when she was first getting on TV and, <laughs> and comedy, like stand-up was first, like really easy to watch all day long if it's summer or whatever. Like I started seeing Maria and I paid attention and I just, she's, I think one of the greatest comics of all time. And really like, I've been a fan of hers for at this point, like 20, 30, almost 30, like 25 plus years. It's, it's pretty amazing actually. Maria Bamford, she's very sarcastic, kind of, uh, dry. I think I call only like maybe one of her shows, like the first 20 minutes of, of her show. A lot of voices and a lot, it's very frenetic and like mental illness, clever, like sort of pretty still physicality and like wild vocal range and some real intelligent, like provocative sort of uh, structure dissolving wild shit. Now, she is she the one that has that show on Netflix about mental health and being a comedian? Uh, she she did Lady Dynamite. Yes, yes, that is it. That's the one. That's yeah, the she, one. Yeah, Shout out show. to Maria Band for Lady Dynamite is, is dope. I caught like the first episode of it, and I had to stop because I didn't have the right tree. I was yeah, like, Nah, her, man, you you gotta watch this on another level. Her special. Uh, she did this special that was just her by herself in her living room with uh, her parents, a small camera crew, like, I think a musician. And, like, it was so incredible. She did an hour for her parents and, like, broke to serve cookies. And, uh, <laughs> no, Maria, Maria has, you know, definitely helped me, like, define what is important to me as an artist. And, and so... Is that what made you? It, I'm gonna say what made you, but what gave you the the instinct to think? Uh, you know, I have something to say as far as uh, comedy or as far as a, a, an artist. Uh, I'm, I feel like stand up is like its own question. I don't know, like I. I'm very responsive to circumstances, so I think um, what I can on a, on a sort of incremental level has a lot of impact on me, so I never started doing stand-up just because I saw it on TV, mm-hmm. you know, just because I saw, like, the best, the best examples of it, 
for me, what makes me uh, question if I can get into a, a form, it, it's like seeing someone try and fail on a small level and then being like, okay, like what are they doing? And then comparing it to like the successful version. And then I, I get sort of a competitive mimicry going. Mm, got it, got it. I, I, I feel that, man. It, it's, <clears throat> it was something that I didn't notice. Um, but I was mimicking TV characters um, at school. And then you define I, it, you know, you define your own version of it over time, but it, a lot of times it starts with that, I think. Yeah. Um, fucking one day you're Arnold from a different strokes. The next day you're you're Benson in the way that you're addressing the teacher because it, it's just a situation. And, and it's, it's funny that you say that because I used to walk through the halls and for me, it would be like Skilo, I Wish, the entire album. And I'm reciting the album from like almost from beginning to end, like song by song by song, like every single word of it. Yeah. And then it becomes like, yeah, inhabit it, make it your own, and then do your own version of it. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and improv is that, and you're improv without even knowing it. And you're a student of uh, the arts without knowing it. One of the beautiful things about the arts is that you are a student of it um, and, and learning about it just by observing it. it it's, it's You know what? It, you have to give yourself permission too because I spent years watching films and not knowing if I'm in film school for myself mm-hmm. or am I just wasting time? Am I like being lazy or am I learning? Like I, I felt like I was studying but I also felt like, am I lying to myself? And you have to give yourself permission to like, to learn. You know what I mean? I feel that. That's deep. That's deep. It, that does. Uh, was it like a, a thing where you had to, you know, settle into it, or was it natural? Um. What do you mean? What do you mean? For comedy, like, is it? Was it one of those things that just came naturally? Like, I'm gonna just grab the mic and be myself. Or is it something that you have to like figure out, um, try I mean, I certain things out? And a lot up. of people would suggest that uh, my like my standup is not necessarily comedy. You know, it's very subjective. So I don't know. I'm not sure how to answer that. Talk about that, man, because that that's very deep. Uh, your stand-up is not exactly comedy. Is there a difference between stand-up and, and stand-up comedy? I mean, I don't think my version of comedy isn't necessarily everyone's. So, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in genre, but I don't have a lot of respect for genre necessarily. I, I, I like to study it and play with it let i like a kitten for example like when like if i see a kitten i like to play with a kitten but i play by my own rules you know so i treat i try to treat a genre or like an art form like a kitten like it plays with me i play back but if you play with a kitten hard enough it affects how the kitten responds and grows you know i i tend to play rough with kittens and they turn into murderous monsters Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a part of the nature, though? 
like do you think you're just uh bringing out the nature of the beast well i'm i'm trying to learn so you know i'll abandon the kitten uh <laughs> i've done it before um i'm trying to learn so like so stand up for example it's like right what if i heard bill cosby or Richard Pryor or whatever when i was young yeah i wanted to do that but there's no path you know if you listen to any comic really they'll say the same there's no path from like here to there how do you find it the way that the, the way to find the the stepping stones or the ladder from where for one point of being interested and in, in the point you have to witness it or at least for me I have to witness it at the carpentry level, at the workmanship level where someone has some skills, but they're working it out. And and so like, if you look at the difference between Chris Rock in a special and Chris Rock at the comic strip on YouTube with a yellow legal pad working it out, like one of the things people say about Chris Rock is why he's so amazing is that he'll, he'll take an idea, work it out without performing it and just let it bomb just to find that little point verbally where it hits you and then he knows how to use the performance he could take the performance and apply it to the words but the words come first you know mm-hmm. and so um if, I, if i'm trying to study comics i gotta see him up close if i'm trying to study spoken word you know i gotta see saul williams up close and and then the mimicry you know takes over like when i first tried to what is saul williams doing can i do it you know, I feel like I could do this, something like this one day. You know, like what I started writing was was mimicry, it was imitation. But then when I started seeing other poets who were maybe not as accomplished or skilled or powerful or specific as what he did, but who, who had their own versions, I started to feel like, okay, so this is, this is the spine. This is something to aspire to. This is all kinds of different shades and different versions of people's. So like, you, you start to find something that's akin to your own voice. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I like to learn. So I don't know anything about filmmaking. I'm ignorant. I don't even know. Other people tell me I'm a filmmaker. I don't even know if I can claim that I'm a filmmaker. I like that. You know, I, you, you ask me for my bio. I'm like, I'll, let's try this out. But like, frankly, what am I? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I remember when I started emceeing, it was the same thing. It's like, maybe I could do this. I think I could do this. But like, how do you go from, I want to do this thing. I asked a, a I hope he's a friend. I think of him as a friend, Daryl Johnson, <laughs> right? Uh, say his name. Yeah, yeah, Daryl Johnson, he goes by Mongoose. Wait, but, um, he's a, I, I think he's a friend. Then you say his name. <laughs> yeah, no, like he's an MC. He's like, he's one of the most incredible MCs, you know, I had heard at the time. And even yeah. to this day, like the stuff I've seen him do, I've seen, you know, Here's the thing, man. We've all seen the millionaires. The millionaires, the the the, the people with the million dollar budgets behind them, corporate support. Maybe they're the best, maybe they're not, but we've all seen them. We can compare them because they're available. I've seen people, you know, that I'm close to. We've all seen the people that we're close to. You can't always compare them because like it's not everywhere. It's not as replicable. But I've traveled all over the fucking continent. I toured 17 months total. I've been in the little towns. I've been in the big towns. I've seen what's Mm. on TV. I've heard what's on the radio. So like, I feel like I have a pretty good 
barometer for what's out there, what people value in different spaces, different tiles, different times across the last like 17 years. And so if I say someone's dope that like maybe other people have never heard of, it's because I'm comparing them to the dopest people that we've all heard of who have like all the support. So like the, the artists on a smaller level, and you know this, we're competing with fucking million dollar budgets with millionaires. And so the production value might not be as good, but in terms of like the raw quality of writing and technique, we got a pretty good sense of like where stuff falls. Right. Right. So and, and it's I, not, I'm trying to and learn. It's not, and, it, and it's not, and I hear what you're saying about being an individual um, because you do see a lot of mimicry out there um, in the arts. Ugh. Especially well, that's art. where it starts. It, Everyone's everyone starts with mimicry, but like you want to eventually, hopefully. I, I mean, mimicry as like a profe- like this is who you are as a business it, as a yeah <laughs> as you you are out there as something that's already out there. You know what I'm saying? And then it's it it, it goes from flattery to what are you doing? You, now you're you're you're. Exposing and, not and, only yourself, and action Bronson, if you will, to other art. Oh fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, man. We don't want to start. All right, well, I don't give a fuck. I mean, we will I'm, go into I'm, that I'm right now. Ghost. I'm on the side of Ghostface. That's all I'm saying. Shout you out know, to the know, Wu. No shark niggas. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Wu. I think I don't know. Is that how he talks though? Oh uh, well, that's a whole that's a whole tangent. It sounds like that's how he talks, oh, man. That's, there's a history. Like, Let's not, you know, I don't want to derail everything, but you gotta so, eat. Rose, I, Rose I like Motel. this bologna fry Rose with with some bit. spam on the side with the rice and the gravy. With the you gotta feel the gravy, son. Then you hear Ghostface, and Ghost is like, Ghost is Ghost. We've known Ghost before Action, right? So, that, and that's what I'm saying, bro. No, like, Action knew Ghost before Action knew Action. <laughs> okay, okay, yes, Ghost. We've known ghosts. The voice. All right, put it like this. You know who Kunut is. You know. You know who the rapper Kunut is from the Bay. You know what? I don't. Okay, so Kunut, that it came out in like the early '90s, early early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, right? From San Francisco, Lakeview. Kunut, rest in peace. Kunut's voice. My name Kunut. And with that raspy, and that's just how he talks. You meet him in person. What's up, y'all, sir? Yeah, well, 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 that's just how you talk. Then you hear somebody like uh, coming soon the Cool Nut biopic starring Barry Graves. All right. <laughs> then you hear DMX come out, and you're like, oh, man, I don't even. First, when I first heard his voice, rest in peace to X. I, I did not want to fuck with the album because it reminded me of Cool Nut. And I was like, nah. But then you hear X talking. That's just how you talk. I'm like, all right. But then yeah, but you, hear you, ja Rule but you know, out. oh, yeah. Well, Thank you, fam. Then you hear Ja Rule come out. And well, you're like, yeah. damn it, enough is enough. Look, I, the fire <laughs> festival, the fire festival happened, people. We have to accept it and move on. I God rest the dead and everything. <laughs> what, what does Ja Rule have to say in a time like this? <laughs> and and, and shout that out to Ja, because that's just Most how he talks too. But then it's like you you it, it at some point, you hear other people trying to do No, shit. I'm talking about flow. I'm not talking about rasp. I'm talking about 
direct flow. But also, if we talk, if we call on that history, too, yeah. You got look, man. Here's the thing. There's no, there's no shame in having the influences. And again, I don't know, I don't know shit about fuck. I can't mix very well. You know, I MC. I have no crew. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to be a filmmaker. You know what I mean? As a right. comic, I'm a very strong joke writer. Just learning the other skills. There's a lot of other comedic skills. Like I have, you got to be aware of your shortcomings. And, you know, and not everyone wants to learn. Some people don't want to l- learn the history. And, but but here's the thing: if you don't learn the history, you're at a disadvantage in the conversation because people come in and they want to be like, I don't listen to anyone. And it's like, well, then you don't know that you're telling a joke that was very popular in 1988. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Or that you're using somebody else's shit. Like someone you said, else's technique exactly. It, um, some some people only go as far back as the mid '90s with their history. Um, some people, and this is for any fucking thing. Like you, you'll hear some artists say, uh, "I don't know who Tupac is," or "I don't know who Grandmaster Flash is," or "I don't know who Run DMC is." Um, what is the fucking disconnect? Is it that it's not mainstream? History is not mainstream. Shout out to Drink Champs. Um, but is it that we don't look at who came before us enough? So I think ethnocentricity is a, is a universal limitation. I personally get very caught up in my uh, obsessive, uh, sensitive emotions and the vibration of like feelings and like empathic interactions with people one idea a fucking strong smell you know a weird look a tone of Mm -hmm. voice can can shove me off of my fucking dreidel you know what I mean just like not even the top won't spin anymore I'm just like off in the corner like it's it's so easy to influence or communication like communication is so difficult you know for two people who even want to understand each other in a moment to effectively do it is almost it's a miracle if it happens because (laughs) we have different experiences different understandings we have different interpretations different like uh, shades of language right you know different histories and then different truths that we're speaking even if you're trying to speak your truth it's only one shade of an entire truth much of which we don't even perceive so like the limitations of communicating that i mean is isn't that why cinema is so fucking exciting as an art form like all the filmmakers i talk to it's like what i get from it and 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 i hate to go back to hitler but i feel like hitler knew the same thing it's like with with cinema you can plant a memory in someone's mind there's almost no clearer way to communicate than through cinema because you're giving as much of the tapestry of human experience as you fucking can like to the point where some people are like can we add smell let's put some smells in there you know right right so like that replicable communication like I, i mean on the other level it's like a meme if you can if you can extract concept down to the point of just like an image that communicates something to everyone you know like it's just so pure and beautiful to fucking feel like you understand something and someone that's why laughter is so powerful because if we're laughing at the same moment about the same thing we understand something together exactly it's beautiful it's universal yeah exactly 
It's universal language. Is, is it is that something that you put? You're, you're a filmmaker. So everyone, for everyone listening, Baraka is a filmmaker, uh, screenwriter, comedian, poet, writer, everything. Um, as a Renaissance man, be with when you. Sweet Wolverine, when check out Sweet Wolverine. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, curated literary collection. Very proud of it. Several years ago, please continue. I'm sorry. When you are writing, when you're creating, or when you're performing, are these parts of your personality or parts of your life experiences coming out, or is it all just about the character? Hmm. You know, I did. Tell me if you've done this. Uh, I, I did something the other day. I haven't done a lot of acting because I've been on the other side of the page and of the, the the lens and everything. And I don't I don't feel like I can do both. I can't be on both sides of the camera. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't. I can write something and then act it, but I can't direct and act in the same thing because I just feel, I'm not. I I don't want to get controversial. I'll just say I. I feel that it suffers. The process suffers from that. I think it, I think more perspectives is better. So, um, but the other day, I, w- I was helping. I was helping. Uh, I mean, you know, Rachel. Uh, I was helping her produce this script. Uh, she was directing, and I'm just trying to sort of. It, it was a cross between like, like student film, you know, like this is class, let's learn, and like, an opportunity to just like, make some work and see what happens or whatever. But right. so, uh, so she's, she's directing for the first time, like, a dialogue scene, comedic scene, you know, scripted scene, and she has like seven or eight people. It's not like the best quality equipment in the world, but it's like, we're trying to convey something, right? Right. And so, so she, we didn't have all the actors. So she asked me if I would play one of the roles. And it was within like five minutes between like, okay, we need someone. Okay, you're gonna do this. Okay, you're acting now. Are you ready? Go. And it's like, like I, I, I take acting very seriously. You know, I haven't done a lot of it recently. You know. <laughs> So it's like, like, have you ever had to do that? Like, okay, but then, like, all right, you got four minutes. You gonna do this? All right, you're acting. Go. <laughs> is that? Is that? Is that no? I'm. I want to. I want to scream laughing right now. <laughs> I, I get this picture in my head. Hold up, am I driving the bus or flying the fucking plane? <laughs> yeah, like, what am I doing? Wait, who am I? But the thing is, I wrote it. You know, so I wrote it like 12 years ago. Or more, maybe fifty. You gotta years. get on your Spike Lee shit, bro. You either gonna either the acting is gonna suffer or the direct whatever else you're doing. Because if you're that, like I feel what you're saying. If you're that committed on both ends, something is somebody is not gonna be getting their fair share of right. something. Like you know? I, it would have been nice to know yesterday I was gonna play this role. I would have put some thought into it, you know. So so, but I it, guess that's improv. That's what it is. I have had to do that, like, because I've done theater. And in doing theater, sometimes- um, It's like, oh, someone's sick, step in. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's, yeah, hell yeah. Shutting down, or especially doing (laughs) film. 
like like shutting down, doing like multiple scenes, doing multiple scenes, and when it, let's say the director isn't taking uh, into account the actor that you know, so they have you doing a heavy scene. Should I, should I take that person off? I feel, <laughs> no, I, feel, I feel implicated. Pium, pium, pium. Look, so All they right. have you doing All right, a heavy guys, scene. The beef is coming out now. <laughs> so they have you doing a heavy scene, and then they have you doing like two light scenes, right? But in between the heavy scene, you got the light scenes. So it's like, fuck, I got to come out of this heavy emotion, jump right into this, then maybe go back into a even more lighter emotion. Like, don't give me some time, give me a little space. Um, but a good director is going to be like, or, or somebody's going to be like, Hey man, take all the time you need. We're going to set this up kind of shit. You know what I mean? And, and you could cut, but in life, sometimes you don't get that kind of fucking break. You know, it, it's like, all right, on this commute home, now I have to switch into dad or husband mode. You know what I mean? I really do know what you mean, dude. It's like, by the way, I, I, just, I have to say, because we're recording shit, Barry, you already know this. I told you this that time. You are absolutely one of our favorite actors in the world, in our community, that we've seen <laughs> on screen, that we've seen in person. Like, absolutely one of our favorite. I'm not going to stand here and, and try to rank people and compare you to anyone else, but when I watch you, I. I don't need anyone else to play like any role, any. any Thank piece. you, sir. Thank I always you, sir. want you in anything. Like we, we love you over here. For sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And and, and that was no shots. <laughs> no, I know. I know. That was no I'm, shots I'm, I'm at all. But, but but I do have to pivot a little because just I'm seeing we're like almost at the hour mark. I just got to talk a little bit about Rose Motel because I think there's something powerful that we did making a black film about white supremacy that's a horror film that's maybe supernatural psychological maybe just grounded you know in like the problems of just living as a black man and i feel like i want to contextualize some of that stuff you know in this conversation too so the world for sure and just to be clear how much more time do you have uh i'm you know i mean it's not so much how much time i have i got time i just might take a walk and it might affect some of the sound i don't know how it'll affect i just need to go okay. hit the store but i'm we could talk for another fucking hour i don't give a fuck okay because we do have about an hour 17 more minutes to, to, before it shuts off before well, then, the recording stops we're gonna take it so, out and if, if the sound quality gets crazy let me know let me know and i'll, I'll figure it out yeah for sure so rose motel I'm glad you brought it up, man. But let's talk about Cinder too, because I think we might we might be doing a local debut, and uh, there's so much to talk about. Oh it, there's God. a lot to talk about. So with 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 Rose Motel, you brought up white superior wow, white superiority, and it, it's a different kind of take on it, right? It's like um, it's not something that I've really seen. Uh, the closest thing I've seen was Carbon Copy with Denzel Washington and I uh, forget the brother's name. What was his name? He passed. Uh, with Denzel Washington where he had a white father. Closest thing I've seen to... Oh, no. Heart Condition. Heart Condition. Again with Denzel Washington. Um, 
and he uh he played the spirit uh that was attached to a white man who had his heart so this is the closest thing i've seen since that but this deals with a lot a lot of grief a lot of angst a lot of anxiety a lot of emotion panic and how the two you explain it man it's your shit you explain it you got please (laughs) you know so it's really something where um the way this project came together was a trip and it's it's been and like an incredible education um what 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 happened was we overnight to write a, a horror script and we sort of descended into this concept because under COVID we were falling on hold a lot. It's just like it feels like you're going insane. Just like the same terrible roasting the whole music. And so it started from that concept. We started like emanating out, thinking about our community. And we ended up reflecting on how invisible forces, you know, you can call them what you want to call them, you can call it supernatural, you can call it hegemony, but these invisible forces, these microaggressions, these like invisible signs of violence inflict themselves on us and can drive us insane. And, and in the world today, how I've seen it happen, it can be something as simple as I lost my charger, Oh, I can't get a charge on my phone. I can't reach the people I need. I can't access the money I would be able to access. I need a favor. I need to send a message. Now I can't prove that this is my hotel reservation. Now I'm stuck outside the street. Now someone looked at me funny. Someone thinks I looked at them funny. Now I have to fucking fight with someone in an alley. Now the police are here and I can't explain what's going on. And it's like just very minor things can manifest as demons that destroy us yeah. in a moment. Yeah. There, there, there was a poem uh, that I wrote back in high school um, that won an award. And it, in it, I described walking across the street and hearing doors lock. And um, that was something that I had, exper- I had experienced at 13, 14. Just, just going or coming to sc- going and coming from school, and that kind of thing, you know, where the door locks now take on and uh, they're a character themselves. It's like that's so true too. The lock is such a powerful device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a metaphor and as a, as a physical obstacle. Because I am in 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 that moment, I know I'm innocent of everything. And in that, and when I hear the black a door man lock, is never innocent. You know what I mean? Exactly, bro. The whole, the whole picture of being given, being given permission to cross, and hearing uh, securities go up, red flags go up as you're walking across, people uh, who are are observing you. Now I think I'm a threat. Am I a threat? As I'm crossing the fucking street trying not to get hit. This is the psychology that I go that we go through 
before we even get to a learning institution where we learn about other shit that has nothing to do with the trauma we just went through. Yeah, you know, um, my my path to horror is sort of is sort of crooked. Um, I was really terrified by certain certain things my my cousins would watch as a kid, and I was like driven away from a lot of sort of hallmark horror early on. And I'm really fascinated with certain elements of the mundane. As they as they sort of relate to the concept of like what really scares us, what's really the most terrifying thing? Mm-hmm. Is it is it a ghost? And if it is a ghost, what does that mean? Is it the ghost of the past? Is it the ghost of the civil war that's still eating at us? Or uh, is it the most terrifying thing? Is it a man? Is it a man like? the Golden State Killer, a man coming to into your home, you know, is that the most terrifying thing that he's a man, that he comes into your home? Or is, is the real terror that he was a police officer, that he had the infrastructural power, and the fact that he's a white man and was a police officer means that he was able to evade and was never seriously considered as a suspect for many years until a woman had to, like, violate the entire system and come out of nowhere because our system is broken and our system is eating us and isn't that the most terrifying thing actually or is it that we know how powerful we are but we are given we are fed the illusion that we are not that we and that don't we have could power make a choice together to do something and i apologize if it sounds even crazy because i'm next to this show. no it, it's oh yeah no it sounds very authentic very but frisco like, but like that we if we if we banded together what could we do together but what would we risk what comfort would we risk if we really fought for our freedom or what do we risk even to be vulnerable enough to admit you know that we need to talk to each other so yeah I, i'm just fascinated with sort of like the, the 360 degrees of perspective on what scares you what scares me and we might be staring at each other and we realize it's a mirror you know so you're you're kind of it's it's uh i won't say redefining horror but it's uh analyzing what horror <laughs> well, is i've also been told i i just don't understand horror which also might be true no it's analyzing <laughs> what you said it perfectly it's like analyzing what horror is to in the individual like like just like uh like we were talking one day and i, and I brought up the film shout out to jordan peele um get out um that is a fucking horror film bro like it's scary as shit people don't know this shit like when i was going to fucking catholic school i was scared every day damn every day like man i gotta go to the bathroom i'm gonna wait till recess fuck that yes uh yeah i feel you about I feel like on both elements, Catholic school and also the trauma of the bathroom. Like, I went to a Catholic school where in middle school they put up, they had curtains in the stalls. So, this is like people, like children at their most cruel and horny, and all that you have to protect, like a fragile, between you and your bully, you get like a fragile curtain 
while you're shitting, you know? And then, like, it's like Catholic, so your body's. Evil. I bet it was a cloth. Your feelings too. are evil. You know what I mean? It was like vital. And it's like. That's gross. You're, everything about you is bad and wrong. You're dirty and disgusting. And what the fuck is wrong with you? Here's a curtain. Now wipe your ass, you know? It's just like fucking shit. So, yeah, what is horror? What are you really afraid of? What is shame? Like, I, I'm fascinated by that shit. Or, like, what's the boundary between what you can and can't say and what happens when you cross it? So, the Rose Motel, what, what, do, what do people, what will they get from it? What do you, what do you think people may uh, receive from it? I mean, I, I think it's maybe not for everyone I, I think like we have this sensibility with with a lot of intention you know we were talking about sort of imagistically what we wanted and some aesthetic concepts of like like we we at a certain point we're like we want to make an Italian film you know we're not in Italy and we're not Italian and the film's not in Italian but I kind of want to make like do my best to do what I can to just make this an Italian film mm -hmm. and you know technically it's set in the present but what if it was a 1970s Italian film in the style of the, the French Nouvelle Vogue you know balls on this kid over here <laughs> like it's it's like uh you know we couldn't get Scorsese but we really like the visual element from some of these uh, rugged urban landscapes. So what if we can apply that to a millennial horror story about losing your charger, losing your mind, and succumbing to the darkness that was preying on you all the time? Because who are you? Are you us or are you them? Hmm. So have you... Damn, man, that's, that sounds a lot like of what we hear and see going on right now like going along with the program or being outcasted kind of being subjected to hate or punishment because you're not following the crowd kind of shit is is have you is is this kind of like what you're describing so I think the question of identifying self in crisis or in trauma versus like if you if you look at say like PTSD uh, victims of sexual assault people have been through prison people have been through war uh, or like indigenous people almost anywhere in the world that's been touched by imperialism or like black folks in America or black folks in the world like people who have survived trauma relive the trauma mm -hmm. constantly throughout the day mm -hmm. and so it's like I mean you mentioned Denzel and, and, and Denzel is kind of like our contemporary image like at least for me as a black man it's like excellence you know you have like Denzel you have Obama, you have Jordan, and it's like you have LeBron or whoever you want to look to. Like we try to hold ourselves up to this standard, 
and we try to be that, try to be the best version, try to be, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. But they still tried to bring down Martin Luther King Jr. They still mm-hmm. said what they said about him, whether it was true or not. They still did what they did to him until, you know, anyone looks crazy if you fucking put a bomb in their house at 11 at night, right? Yeah. House. And so it's like, how do you be your best self in the worst situation? Um, it's a nightmare that live every day. So, and and it's interesting that you say that, man, because I relate a lot more to natural uh, characters, characters that just they they're 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 relatable. Um, is it? Is, do you have that in your art? Is that something that you intentionally put place in your in your films? People that are relatable, the everyday person, or the even just the uh, the little quirks that we tend to have. You know, um, I think I, I have the power of imagination in a very maybe uh, I don't know limited limited way I don't know how to put it like I can envision myself or what I've known and contextualize it to what I've seen and I can like really feel strongly those things but it's 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 a little maybe egocentric or narcissistic or limited uh, or Epic tunnel vision, whatever you want to say. Um, I have I have blinders to like to sort of a very few touch touch points that I can that I care about. In other words, like I don't necessarily care equally about everything. I care very much about very few things, and so um, I think everything I, I write has to somehow hook into that for me or relate to that. And so it, what I write might not necessarily be accessible in certain ways because I think that if I wrote something that was really accessible maybe to everyone, it would be a lie because if I'm writing what's in my mind, that's not what's in my mind, you know? That's a limitation, I think, that I have. What, what kind of what kind of movies have are out there that some of your favorites that are in that realm? Like uh, just recently, or like no, all time. Like some of your favorites that are in that realm, where um, so I, I like the Great Train Robbery, the old the first one with um, uh, something Roberts. Um, uh, Julia Roberts' brother, and uh, and and uh, and and uh, John Boyd. I, wait, I'm thinking of a different film, The Great Train Robbery. I believe. Oh, Great I'm, Train Robbery. My bad. Yeah. Um, I, I believe is like the early film where someone set up a camera like in front of a train, and then when they played it for the audience, the train runs with the camera 
and the audience just like left out of the way, you know? That, like that, I'm fascinated by that. Hmm. I have never seen that movie. I'm gonna have to check it out. We'll have to revive it. Uh, Great train robbery. Dying, but I'm walking back towards my charger, so it's a race against the clock. It's exciting. Yeah, nah. If we if it, if we get shut off, we'll just uh, pick back up. Fair enough. That takes away some of the suspense, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and you, so you mentioned the great train robbery. Was it just the the, the way it was shot, or it, was it how it the 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 psychology that it played on the on the audience? So. You know, I hate to I hate to do it, but let's talk about Jed Shepard, who is uh, I hope I hope I don't want to name drop, but I feel like now that we're talking about it, I feel we're really talking about intertextual sort of cinema, and I'm fascinated by it, and I feel like uh, one of the people I've sort of heard and studied and praised and studied myself and been really impressed with uh, and been lucky enough to talk to is, is Chad Shepard who made Post which is <laughs> oh man apparently <laughs> according to science in a recent article the scariest film of all time and has been I guess called the scariest film of 2020 but definitely is one of the most incredible beautiful uh, horror films I've ever seen. A shout out uh, to Jed too. He, he's just a cool he, dude down to not earth. Not that he needs any more praise, but here it is. Much love to Jed Shepard. So, like yeah. the way that he seizes on immediacy in his approach to like technically executing his his. Hello, how are you? Hi, I just met a friend. He wants to make love to me. He's a dog. All right. Um, the way that he. The way that he uses the immediacy of contemporary technology and contemporary concerns to sort of like really seize into like that that violation of the present moment in, in in some like authentic manner i think is a power that we you know and i mean rest in peace Noah mcdonald this is another you know example it's like the willingness and, and necessity to cut through the bullshit to really like seize on what's going on right now mm-hmm. is something very powerful so i am not in any way saying that's what i am able to do but i would say at least as a stage performer as a writer and you know if i am or get to be a filmmaker that that's like would be the goal that would be the vision i think but see, I, I and it, this goes back to what we were talking about about uh, being your own and things like that. Because if you just come into it doing this, right? You just come into it 360 dunking. When people see it and they've only been just going up doing layups, they're like, "What the fuck? You mean we can do that?" It's like. Yeah, not only that, but like, you can do other shit too. You know, it. it, it oh my it, god! Oh my god! Wait, in case my phone dies, have you seen this fucking sketch? I need to send it to you. It's the first black man to say the word nigger. 
I saw it. I saw the uh, the thumb, and, and I saved it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh my god! Is there any way we could do a live watch where you watch it while we're recording? Let me see. Uh, oh with god. the sound on. Let me see if I yes. can. It's, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Like I don't know if if you want the sound in the recording, but I want the sound of you responding to it in the recording because I think it's one of the most incredible, beautiful funny uh, like also scary it's like everything it's drama it's every genre so I guess uh, I left some dead space and I sabotaged the entire project but I want to shout out Sebastian Brazil Screen Anthology everyone who worked on Rose Motel uh, Andrew Gibber Rose Tango Rachel Pinson Sylvia Carline Whitley got to love Stella's legs um, I don't know what is going on in the world. It's a very strange moment. I don't know uh, when the hell I get to do stand-up again, get back on stage. I don't know when this is going to be released. But um, I've met some incredible fucking filmmakers. And it's this weird juxtaposition of... Um, poverty and opportunity of ignorance nah it was dope because you were saying a lot of good things shout out to shout out to Gavin shout out to everybody what is white slavery about Can you... the white slavery podcast I don't know so you know remember tango right yeah, shout out Tango. So Tango's the beast. Tango's so, like, I, I almost, mm, I'm, I got to hold back from saying too much true shit right now, but he was working at Alameda Comedy Club. He, he, he does some work for Cobbs, but then he uh, he does editing on uh, Kasim Bentley's White Slavery podcast, which is, you know, much love. I mean, the White Slavery thing is a really funny story. I won't get into it. It's not my story. Uh, and then And then he also was the uh, AD on Rose Motel, and I, it would not have been possible without him. Um, we were working with Alex Ajayi as our DP, and he brought in his crew. But honestly, like, Tango held Shout out to Alex. Crazy. Alex is a dope DP, too. Oh, he's got, it, like, no one can hang with the fucking close-up gimbal shot. Like, we shot on a, oh, man, on a Komodo Red in 6K. And we, mm. uh, we went the anamorphic lens for some real claustrophobic concept shots. And I, I think it's really fascinating, beautiful. Like, it's definitely the most beautiful work I've ever been associated with. And I'm very proud to have um, had the opportunity to work with that caliber of professional, for sure. And, I, and so, B, before we get out of here, there's a few things we got to cover, man. Yeah, we just gotta one, solve world hunger and then the other thing. One of <laughs> one of the things is uh what is it like being a comedian in this climate where your you know words what? are being honestly in San Francisco it's crazy because you go out, you need a sweater, you don't have a sweater, you don't want one, it's hot, you're cold, it's cold, you're hot. It's a crazy the climate's fucked up. Please continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you're from the Bay. What how do you manage it? How do you do it? What is it? Because you know I mean, you can. You it's like layers, also, 
it, your livelihood is on the line as well. You know what I'm saying? You know what? I'm not worried about the climate. I'm worried about the virus because if you can't gather, there's really not a lot of stand up anyone <laughs> gets to do, frankly. At least, uh, definitely not at the level that I'm invited to the table. We don't have a lot of opportunities if everyone dies when you go outside. So let's right. fix this fucking virus for the love of fuck. Do you, do you feel like there's like a lot of distraction? Not enough being paid, not enough attention being paid to one thing too much, being paid to the wrong? You know, man, I don't, I don't really have a... Uh, I think I have a very limited perspective at this time, especially uh, particularly limited because I honestly, I spend a lot of my time talking to very few people who care about the same things that, that I do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's true on a political level, but I, I mean more from a, from a creative perspective, like I sort of tumbled into this Alice in Wonderland of uh, people who really care about film or filmmakers who really care about people you know, and so I don't. I don't think that that's the world a lot of people are necessarily dealing with all the time. Gotcha, gotcha. And it kind of goes back to the I'm reading. And if you really want to get ask me this question, we can talk about it, and I'll just <laughs> mind up real quick. <laughs> well, that's or you a good could end point, I guess. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's it's been the narrative of your life, bro. Well, you it's, know the other like... thing I've been doing? <laughs> I've been I've been hanging upside down a lot. <laughs> I've been hanging upside down like like most like of the literally time. like hanging upside. Day. Yeah, Physically. I've been I've been so there's there's this uh pull up bar that uh my my co-producer was kind enough to install in our studio. And so at first I was like I guess I guess it's working because at first I would just like try to lift myself and it was very tiring, but but now I accidentally stumbled into like you know sometimes there's a good show on, you start just like hanging from the bar and shit, and then, <laughs> so what I've been doing recently is I'm like pulling myself up and then I've been going upside down, and just like doing upside down pull ups until my shins hit the bars and I just mm. do that and at first I would lose my balance really quick. But now I kind of can just like do it for like, it's, I don't even know. It's working my core, I guess. So be careful. A lot of people think I'm going to smash my shit and die. But I feel like that would be a good promo for the movie. Peace out. Much love.